the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. I want to continue with the message from last week. Faith now, that's now faith, is a must. Um, We have scriptures, the things that God uh, tells us must be in our lives or we must have for us to obtain. And the first we said, Jesus said, don't think it's strange for you. Uh, For you to hear from me, saying, you must be born again. Don't marvel about that. It's just the thing to do. You have to be born again. And then we have another scripture from the word of God about faith. He who comes to God must believe. It's a must. You have to believe. So a lot of times as believers, we don't talk a lot about faith. But we are called to live a life of faith. You can't be a Christian without faith. You have to believe to be born again. But then after you are born again by faith, now you are commanded by God to live by faith, to walk by faith, to fight the fight of faith. So faith is Christian living. You cannot get anything done in God without faith. In fact, the Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. So if you're giving and you're not doing it out of faith, you're just throwing money away. You have to believe that God is the God of faith. God is the faith God. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And I've said here before, what Satan wants to do to us is to make us lose hope. Using circumstances, coming into our lives, difficult circumstances, where you think, how can I ever get out of this? But I've said, I said possibly last week, no storm lasts forever. Every storm is localized. You don't have hurricane all over the world at the same time. It's usually localized. So everybody has a localized storm. But every storm must come to an end. That's the way God made the world. No matter how tough it is, there is an end to it. So faith is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, your hope has no substance. Faith is what gives your hope substance. But then, if you don't have hope, if your hope is gone, there is nothing for faith to work on. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But then in verse 6 it says, but without faith it is impossible to please God. After you are saved, if you want to please God, it's not just living the Christian life, you have to live a life of faith. And this is not just for one day, it has to be a continual thing in your life. You have been called to live a life of faith. And so faith means, it's not something you can handle in the natural. You have to just trust God for something that is not tangible, that you are believing for, something you can put your hands around. That's the way God has called us to live. And if you don't want to live that way, you are going to have a very difficult Christian life because this is the only way to live for God. 
It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Totally impossible. You are not going to be pleasing to Him because you are not applying faith. And faith is you are believing God for something you can't see, something you can't handle. Just relying solely on what God said. That's what pleases Him. So without faith, it's impossible to please God for he who comes to God. That means God is expecting us to come to Him. We're going to be talking more about that on Sunday. God expects you to come to Him. We are given ample reasons in life to come to Him. But when you come, if you want to make Him happy, you want to please Him, you have to be coming to Him by faith. It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please Him for He... The reason for, I always change that word for. Because for is for. I use the word because instead of for. He who comes to God, he says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him because he who comes. If you're coming to God, you must believe that God is. In other words, God's going to reward you. I was looking at a scripture where God says, when you come to, when you're going to pray, <laughs> get into the closet, pray to your God in secret, and your God who sees in secret will do what? Reward you. So God is a rewarder when you come, and we always should come. We have reasons to come. We are besieged with all kinds of problems and things we cannot handle on our own. He is the one to go to. But when you go, you must trust him. That's, what he's, that's all he's asking for you. He's not concerned about how tough or how big the problem is, how difficult the situation is. He's not concerned about how long that problem has been in your life. That's not God's concern. He can do anything. But if, you've got, if you have to get him to do something about it, he wants you to come trust in him. You must believe that he is. He, this is almighty God. Elohim, there's nothing that's impossible with him. He can take care of whatever problem you came into the closet or the enclosure with him, you and him. He can take care of it. But he wants you to acknowledge that. That pleases him because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In other words, you're going to him and you're taking no, you're not taking no for an answer. You constantly come. You got to do this for me, God. And I know you can. And I know you're willing. That pleases him. It pleases God when you have a problem that is way above you and you don't know. No man can help you. You know that. You can't see where help will come from. But you are at peace because you know he can take care of it. It is the Lord. For some reason, that pleases him. When you are afraid, that displeases him. When you are anxious, God displeases him and you can't get him to do anything anymore because you don't trust him to be able to handle the situation. Now, it's easier said than done, but <laughs> through praying and praying in the spirit, that will eventually get us to that place where you are staring at the problem in the face, but you are not afraid. You're not afraid. Pleases him. You can see Chedrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right before the fire, totally unafraid. Because they made it clear. Our God, He can save us from that fire. We don't care about it. 
But if he chooses not to, we still don't care. And that pleased God. And when they got in the fire, God was already there waiting for them. He was already there. And those things are given to us as an example of how God is, how God works. They are written for us to know that God's like that. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the Lord. I change not. I'm still the same way. If I did it before, I'll do it again. In the same manner. If you will trust me with the problem. So I want to encourage us, no matter what we're going through, life problems. I think the greatest enemy for us is fear. I've come to realize my greatest trouble is fear. Because it seems like, oh God, where did this come from now? And how on earth I am, am I going to go over this? This is real trouble. I don't have control over what they're doing, and I have no control over what I'm doing, and this is totally out of my hand. How am I going to get out of this now? And it seems like that for every difficult problem that comes our way. We totally forgot how God delivered us in the past, because that's in the past. We don't even think about it. That's why God always says, remember. Don't forget. Raise a memorial so you won't forget. Because in our nature, we forget that that was a real huge problem. But somehow God worked. And they say, yeah, I know God did that. But what about this one now? You know the history of the past one and how he worked it out. But you don't have any history right now. You are making history. So we need to trust him for that. I said last week that faith is the foundation for Christian living. Faith is that foundation. Second Peter chapter 1, beginning from verse 5, it says, But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence adds to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For, I use the word because, for, or because, if these things are yours and abound or increasing, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, what is he telling us here? If you have the knowledge of the Word of God, the knowledge of Christ, there is fruitfulness to have in your life. There's got to be fruitfulness. There can be barrenness. If you have the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God wants us as Christians to be fruitful and not barren. But I believe there are a lot of barren Christians, and barren, I mean unfruitful Christians, unproductive. But if you have these things, it says, in your Christian work, whatever that fruitfulness, you won't be barren and you won't be unfruitful. But the foundation of it is faith. Notice it says, add to your faith virtue. In other words, excellence, goodness. People have to see goodness in the Christian. 
You can have a lot of faith and be mean. And it won't work. It will be unproductive. You believe God. And it's a lot of, but God says, if, yeah, the faith is great. But it's not, you're not going to be productive if there is no excellence or there is no goodness in your life. Add to that faith. Make it better for you. The faith's already working. But you've got to be fruitful. If it's going to be productive to you, you need to add some goodness. And then to that, he wants you to add knowledge. Knowledge. If you're good, have an answer for the why you're good. Why are you different from the rest of us? You have an answer. You can show them from Scripture. You need to know the Scriptures. You need to know about God. And so that you build more faith. So add to your faith, first virtue, goodness, and all that. But you need to add knowledge as well. You need to know the Word of God. Peter says, have a reason for what you believe. Be able to give them a reason for what you are, the way you live your life. So we need to have that. But then you also have to have self-control. They're watching. They're watching. You can become unfruitful. They watch everything we do. If you are around non-Christians, they watch you very closely. And they're looking for areas in your life that they feel like you are totally out of control. And you may not even realize what they are watching. So you still have faith, but your faith is not productive. Your boss watching. So there are a lot of different things. They are watching you. So self-control is, is very important. Perseverance. Add to that perseverance. When everybody's complaining and you are complaining with them and grumbling, you're part of them. There's nothing different about you. You got faith, but it's unproductive. And when you're complaining with them, you really can't trust God. You're one of them. They're not trusting God, and you're not trusting God. When, you're ne- when you are not trusting God, you're grumbling. That's just the way it is, naturally. So P- Peter is saying we, needed to, we need to add these things to our faith. Perseverance, he wants godliness. I think that's one area I think that a lot of Christians either they don't understand or they are totally missing it um, because it affects your Christian work. When God says something, he means it. What's godliness? Have you ever thought about that? What's the meaning of godliness? Read the Bible all the time. Is that what it means? Godliness? Be nice to people. Well, there are non-Christians who are not nice. I mean, non-Christians who are nice, I should say. They're really nice people. And they'll tell you he's a good man. Sometimes better than church people. So what does it mean, godliness? What does that mean? In my mind, again, they're watching. If, they, if I go to your office and I ask about you, what, how will they describe you? If they don't know who I'm talking about. Say, you're Christopher, and there are several Christophers there. And I go there, I said, the Christopher that goes to church a lot. Oh, we know who you're talking about. That's a godly person. You see? They know who, they, who that person is. 
But if on Sundays they see you barbecue and whatever, just like the rest of them, there's nothing to your faith. You are totally unproductive. And remember, Jesus said he wants us to go and bear fruit. And that what? Your fruit should remain. And, you know, I'm talking to the wrong crowd here. But that's part of something that Christians don't realize. The Bible must mean something to you. They want to see that. They want to see if, if it crosses your faith, you will react differently. You know how they got Daniel? Daniel. How they got him into the lion's den? They knew his routine. They knew about his faith and his God. And when he would do something, and they trapped him based on his faith and what he does. That's godliness. It's very important. A lot of Christians, I mean, for weeks they are not in church. Maybe weeks have gone, they've never even spent five minutes talking to their God, the God that they said they believe in. They've never read the Bible. Wednesday night, that's a joke. Who goes to church on Wednesday night? We got Sunday coming. But the unbelievers are watching. They know you're tired when you leave work, right? The next day they say, what did you do last night? I was in church. They're shocked. You went to church last night. We're all tired. What's this thing about church? They've seen a godly person. We don't realize that some of these things, they add to your faith. So that you are productive, not just in the natural things, but spiritually you are also productive. And now guess what? It will affect your natural life as well. It will. Everything is connected. Everything is spiritual. Sleep is spiritual. I know that. <laughs> if I don't rest properly and I come on Sunday morning, maybe you don't know it, but I feel it. I feel it. All these things are connected. So godliness, that's very important. And then to godliness, he says brotherly kindness. Jesus told us, you know, to love one another as I have loved you. Show some kindness, not just to people at work, to one another. Show some, uh, show some uh, uh, brotherly kindness. Be kind to your Christian brother, more so than people of the world. That's very important. To unbelievers, it's very important. I, I, when I was newly saved, um, there was a lot of persecution. It was so rough in my home, I had to move out because it was so rough. I mean, it was difficult. God permitted me to be able to tolerate it for a while. Seeing all the wickedness going on around me, it didn't bother me. But then the persecution added to that. It got to a stage I knew there was no way I could stay. I had to move from the house, rented my own place, small place. I mean, I was happy. But there was not, it wasn't just me that was being persecuted. Young boys, 13, 12, all of those, they, their fathers would drive them from their home. I mean, just kick them out. And they know I was single, just in my own little place, two, two rooms. 
<laughs> we call the first room the living room and the other one is the bedroom. <laughs> but we were happy. And when they drive them away, they chase them. Their fathers would drive them away. They would come to my home. And I was glad to have them. And we all, everyone is sleeping everywhere. Just little boys. I remember Abraham. One is in Emmanuel. And the other one, Andrew. They all have biblical names. I was the only one with the crazy name, Good Luck. You know? <laughs> but they'll come. I remember Abraham. We loved to share the gospel. And they knew they were loved. Because all we thought about loving one another, it was so precious. And we go out, and I remember Abraham, uh, Andrew, and Emmanuel came one day, about 12, 13 at the most. They were so happy. I said, what happened? They said, uh, we suffered for the Lord Jesus. I said, what happened? They were preaching so, so, to some uh, drunks. They, these guys were drinking, and they started preaching to them about Jesus. Those guys got very mad, and they put a, a bunch of... Uh, Booze in their mouth, swat it, and just they spread it on the kids. <laughs> and they were happy. They ran to me and said, hey, good luck. What's what happened? I was thinking they were going to give me a testimony. They spat on our face. Wonderful. <laughs> you guys are nuts. What's going on? They, I believe they are still believers today. But those were, my, those were my family, those little boys and the rest of them. And uh, my brothers knew they were my family because I separated from them. And I remember one of my brothers telling me, you love this, your Christian brothers, more than you love us. It was a big fight then. I wasn't aware of it. But as I read the scripture, that was a good thing to hear from them. <laughs> it was a good thing. So brotherly kindness, that speaks to the world. That speaks to the world. And then he says to that, add love. So, every time you get anyone who gets born again, as soon as you are born again, you have an inheritance. Every born again Christian, once you are born again, you have an inheritance already there for you. You enter. Do you remember the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, we are joined heirs with Christ for an inheritance. We have an inheritance with God once you are born again. But we need to enjoy, not only when we get to heaven, some of that inheritance here. And the only way to access those inherit- the inheritance we have is by faith. Not fear, faith. We can access that. Listen to this scripture, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bless us. Is that what it says? Who has blessed us. That's our inheritance. Blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Where? In heavenly places. In Christ. So where are these spiritual blessings? Where? Heavenly places. Where do you live? Earthly places. Okay. I need to get these blessings from the heavenly places to the earthly places. 
you'll excuse my language. But that's where we live. But God has already given them to us. They are not going to be given to us. They are already there for us. But Satan wants to say to us, did God give you this? But how do you feel? Do you feel like you have anything? Is it by feeling? We walk by faith and not by sight. So we tend to confess what we know naturally, but God wants us to believe him contrary to what we see and know and feel, and that's what pleases him. When we can believe him contrary to what we are seeing, what they're saying, what we're feeling, that's what pleases him. That's the God that we serve. He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. But he wants us to enjoy, the, enjoy those blessings here. I'd like to go to Second Peter, in chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. He says to us, as his divine power, his divine power has given to us. His divine power has given to us not some things, all things. Sometimes you want to listen to preachers and you say, wow, that's nice. He's trying to make, is, is God trying to make us feel good? I don't feel like I have all things. I'm going to say it as it is. I don't have all things. But the Bible says all things are ours. I would rather we don't say those things. You can think it, but don't let it come out of your mouth. Because if you read in Malachi, God says, your words are stout against me. And in Malachi, they're saying, what good is it to serve God? We get nothing. And God said, sure, you get nothing. Because that's the way you believe. But God says here in his word, his divine power, God's divine power, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Life and godliness. Life and godliness. Remember we talked about godliness? Yes. Life and godliness. We have all things. You can be godly if you want to. Life, that has to do with paying your bills and all of that stuff. God is able to take care of all of those things. How? We just don't know, but God can. But he is going to allow, we're coming to this later. God's going to allow you to go through tests to see if you will trust him when things get difficult. And until you can trust God, when things get difficult, things get so tough, he doesn't know how to do, deal with you with regards to doing business, especially eternal business. If you can handle this stuff that came to you, how are you going to be handling eternal things? You fall apart. You can't even deal with the little ones. Your own personal, how, are you going to, how is he going to give you something that has to do with the kingdom of God when you can't handle just this, your own little problem? The problems for working and doing things for the kingdom is even greater because Satan zeroes in on you. 
That's why I've often said to people, until you become responsible in God's house, you can read in the scriptures how Paul will always write to ministers, to believers. He says, grace and peace be unto you. Check it out. Grace and peace. Every time he writes to believers, the church in Rome, grace and peace. But if it's a minister, Timothy, Titus, or just a woman, minister, any minister, he says, grace, mercy, and peace. Uh, ministers need mercy. <laughs> because zero, Satan comes after you. And you find, oh my goodness. But God wants us to trust him. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. So knowledge is also very important. Through the knowledge of him, who called us to glory and excellence. So we are called to glory and excellence. Because of all these things that God has made available to us. He's called us to, to, uh, called us to all of those things. But how are these blessings? Where, where are they? They are in heavenly places, but in promise form. Okay? He tells you about all these things God has given to you, everything that pertains to life and godliness, but all of it are in promise form. The question I ask faith is, will God keep his promise? Do you keep your promise to your kids? If you tell them you're going to buy a bicycle for them at Christmas, and you really can do it, no problem. Would you do it? What about God? If you believe that God can keep his, will keep his promise, that's faith. It's not that hard. If you believe that God cannot lie and that God will keep his word, that's faith. That's as simple as that. Just believe that God will keep his word. He'll do what he said he'll do. And if it's not happening because of time, we live in time, God lives above the sun. He doesn't have night and day. Then remind him. He says to remind him, right? Remind him of his prophet. He'll let you, of his promises. He'll let you know he hasn't forgotten. He hasn't forgotten. It's just a time and this season for us. Because, like I said, this Bible says, all things work together for what? Good. To those who love God. Is that the way, the way it ends? No. Those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So I may want it today. That's my purpose, okay? And I love God. God said, no. It's according to His purpose. And believe me, His purpose is the best. Because you may think you need it now, but you really don't. He sees the end from the beginning. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what's ahead. If you have it now, you may have wasted it. By the time you really need it, maybe later, you have no idea of knowing what's going to happen. But he knows. He's already answered. That's the same thing I talked about um, Elizabeth and Zachariah praying for John the Baptist. They wanted John when they were young. God answered the prayer when they prayed when they were younger. But the prayer was fulfilled at the right time. 
And now we know about Zachariah. We know about Elizabeth because of John the Baptist. If they had had the, the child, when they wanted the child, believe me, you wouldn't be reading about them. There were other priests just like them. Just like them. But God gave them their son. He answered when they prayed. But the manifestation of the answer to their prayer came later when they had even forgotten. They were not living in unbelief. They just let it probably say, okay, God, whatever you want is okay. And we'll rest. Doesn't matter if you give us, fine. If you don't, we still believe you. And they continue to serve him, right? But God had answered. And the angel said, your prayers are answered. And they were asking, which one? Which one are you talking about? But the son, John the Baptist, we want to have a legacy, right? We want a name. They have a name. Their son, Jesus said, was the greatest that ever lived. Even above Moses. Remember that? There's no other man born of woman that's greater than John. Well, what about Moses? Jesus said, John the Baptist is greater than that one. But they prayed when they were younger. So it's always according to his purpose. We just, just have to trust him. To the time when what the Bible calls it the fullness of time. But you don't let go or let, let go of faith. You continue to serve and do the same things, trusting him that it's up to you. I know you heard me. Because there's no time, believe me, there's no time you will say something to God and he forgot. He forgets. He's, he's not, especially in prayer, he's never forgotten. Even if you prayed amiss in your mind, he's not forgotten. He heard you. And he never forgets that you said those words to him. So we can trust him. By which he has given to us. So how does he do it? In verse 4. By which he has given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. So it's not what he's given to us, the tangible things, but those promises, that's what God wants us to zero in on. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? In this great, these promises are good. They can transform anything. That's what it's saying. By which are given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that by these promises we might be partakers of His divine nature. So the promises... That's what God's given to us. All of these blessings in heavenly places, they are in the form of exceedingly great and precious promises. And God's saying, if you want to access these promises, just believe. Trust God for the promises. Believe God for the promises. That's what God is giving to us. Speak the promises rather than what you're seeing in the natural. Sometimes it's really hard because I think I fully understand what the Bible means when Jesus said, don't cast your pearl before swine. If you go to people who are really, I mean, even in the church, they are really skeptical. If you try to talk to them about something you are believing God for, 
<laughs> you come back very discouraged and unhappy. So the best thing is don't even go to those people. Leave them because everybody uh, is in their own stage of growth. <laughs> you can be, they may have been in church for 30 years, but it may still be a, a child, a baby. You can be talking calculus with a two-year-old kid. And say, let me show you calculus and stuff like that. The kid will look at you and say, I want to play. They're not going to pay attention to what you're doing. But if you see somebody who is the same and they're believing then, those are the ones I want to talk because the Bible says iron sharpens iron. Not clay sharpens iron. It's not going to work. So you go to those people that you know they are trying to believe in the same way to share those things. But we are given exceedingly great and precious promises that by these promises you may be partakers of his divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through uh, loss. In other words, those things cannot hold you back. The world cannot hold you back. You escaped that. You notice when the world, if you read in the Old Testament, every time they have famine, that's when God's people prosper. I wish we would understand that principle. So when things are going down, we are preparing ourselves happy with faith that God, the time has come for me to really go up. But what we do and what, you know, all of us, me included, what we do is, oh, the economy is coming down, uh, everybody. And so we prepare ourselves uh, to lose our jobs. We prepare ourselves in our mind, even if we don't say it, that's what we're thinking but God works differently. If you read in the, from the children of Abraham, from Abraham himself, back to Isaac, to Jacob, when things get difficult, they did well. All the way to Joseph. It's just the way God works. We have to find principles or the way, what I call the way of the Lord, and believe Him contrary to what we are experiencing and see how God works for us. But we have to access these things through faith. And I'm going to read these two scriptures. I think it's about more than time now. But Luke chapter 1, verse 45. So we're talking about exceedingly great and precious promises, right? So I want to, I want to find out what those promises are. I'm not reading the Bible so I can tell you. I've read from Genesis to Revelation. Yes, I know you've read it five times. But what do you remember out of it? I've read the book. I mean, I've read all of them. What promises are you holding on to? What promises are you reminding God of when you pray? You know, I have my mindset, and I'll say it boldly. At the beginning of the year, we, we had a scripture, then um, uh, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 37. How many remember that scripture? God says, I will permit my people to make this request of me to do this for them. I will multiply the flock. And so what Satan wants to say, did God say he will multiply the flock if he asked? So now what do you see? Is the flock multiplying in your eyes? And everybody's saying, hey, he's going the other direction. You know, that's the time to get happy. <laughs> Amen? Because God doesn't lie. Amen? 
That's when to trust him and say, ah, this stuff is working. Satan, he's trying to make us think the other way. I'm not going to get sad. I will believe God because God will not lie. God will fulfill his word. We do what we have to do. God will do his word. But if you allow Satan to knock you out of faith and you begin to speak words contrary to what you read in the scripture, the promise, you've disallowed the promise in your life. So you're not going to partake of his divine nature. You've already disallowed it. So let God speak to me. Son, don't look at what you see with your own eyes. Trust in God with all of your heart. And don't lean on your understanding. This is, these are the words of faith. These are the words of faith. We want to go to the natural, what we believe. But I would rather believe... And be having a hard time building in the natural but trusting God for my deliverance. That's the best way to go. That's the best way to go. Blessed is she who believed. For there will be, not maybe, there will be a fulfillment or a performance of those things which were told her. From who? From the Lord. And we got what's told us here from the Lord. He said to us, you know, I will let my people, I will permit, let my people make this request of me. And they did, and he do it. He makes them to do it, they do it, and then he answers it. It came from him, that was his desire, but he's got to make them do it. They ask him, and then he gives to them. He gives us his desire here. What he wants for us. And he tells us to come. He tells us uh, in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 4, uh, 16. He says come boldly to the throne of grace. He's inviting us. He's inviting us to come. I'm going to close here. Jesus said to uh, Mary right before Lazarus was raised. If you remember that. Didn't I tell you, if you believe, you'll see the glory of the Lord? John 11:40. Jesus said, when he said, take the stone away. And Mary said, uh-uh. There's decomposition right there. And Jesus said, didn't I tell you? Just believe. And you'll see the glory of God. So, if you want to see God's glory... We have to believe contrary to the decay that we see, that we know of, that's on the other side for us. We have to believe in the resurrection and trust God contrary to what we know in the natural. And God will give us plenty of opportunities to know things in the natural and watch what we will do. If we will lean to what we know in the natural or we will trust his word, and believe him for the impossible so we can give him glory stand with me tonight while we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are temporal those that are unseen are eternal 
And that's where God wants us to turn our eyes to tonight. And um, in your situation, do what you have to do. What is humanly possible for you to do. That's all you can do. Leave the rest to God and, and trust Him. Because we are His children and He'll take care of us. Amen. Every one of us, we're going through something. We just have to keep trusting God. Let's lift our hands up to Him tonight. I know for everyone, there's something that you are believing God to help, with, help you with. He may come through not in the way you expect Him to, but sure, surely I do know this, and I pray that God will help me to trust Him in this. That every time I say a word in prayer to him, he never forgets. He never forgets. Because he loves me and I want him to help me to love him the way he loves me. That doesn't ever change. But I have to love him and I need his strength to help me to love him. Life is not too long. It's short. But we want to give him all. Father, we thank you tonight. Thank you, Lord God, for your word that will not change. God, I believe that you are confirming your words right now in our hearts. First in our hearts, because we have been in the same enclosure with you. And you have spoken to us from your word tonight. And you are already working in our hearts. You are right now at work through your word in our hearts. And we will see the changes that your word alone can bring no doubt about it there is a god in heaven so you said to come believing that you are and that you are god who rewards those that diligently seek you and lord we diligently seek you tonight in our situation in our troubles so god we diligently seek you tonight we refuse to complain we refuse to be afraid we are trusting in you, Father, and asking for your help. And we believe you will help us. No problem is too big for you. No problem is too great for you. You are able to make a way through the wilderness. You are able to make a way through the sea so that we can walk on dry ground. There's nothing that is impossible with you. God, help us through your word and through your spirit to trust absolutely in your word and in you and in your nature, your person. Thank you, Lord, tonight. Give us joy instead of sadness because of our situation. Give us faith instead of fear because of the situation we're dealing with. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you for your great mercy. Lord, thank you for making provision for our needs tonight. Would you please believe me with me tonight that God is meeting every need? Whatever need is here tonight, let's trust God. We don't understand it, but God, God is able to help us. God, you are, you are able. God, you are able. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We welcome your presence right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your great mercy. 
thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you tonight. Would you please tell him that you love him? Can you not let those words come out of your mouth? Even in times of trouble, let him know that you love him. Don't understand, but you still love him. Jesus, I love you tonight. We love you tonight. We love you tonight. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your great love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for opening our eyes to know and to realize that that you are and that you are God Almighty and that there's nothing that's impossible with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We rest in you tonight. We rest in you tonight. We rest in your faithfulness tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you.